Um, we had this conversation earlier. Uh, so Josh and Kelly are here and um, get here and kind of been pre- preparing for the morning and they're, they're talking and Kelly loves snow and I don't see any reason at all for snow. I once heard a guy, I said, I was like griping and complaining about snow. There's no reason, whatever. And he said, well, like snow allows for like the, uh, the, the ground to, to freeze and to rest before it pops up and springs in springs in the spring. And, and that makes a lot of sense, right? But then I get to thinking like there's, they don't have that problem in like San Diego. <laughs> there's stuff that grows there and the ground never rests, whatever. Okay, so it's kind of pretty. But then, like, in a couple of days, it'll be, like, gray, black, ugly sludge. Um, anyway, that is, yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, this Christmas Eve morning, I want to tell you that God loves you. Um, above all else, throughout this morning's service, from what's been sung to what's been read to what's been felt among us, I think that what the... The theme that I want us to hear, that I think God wants us to hear, that I think I want to be ringing in your head today and tomorrow as we celebrate Christmas with family and friends, is that God loves you. I want you to just, um, like of all the things you expect to hear at church on a Sunday morning, you, you expect to hear that, right? God loves you. But um, think, think beyond that a little bit. Um, think beyond just that God loves you. And, and this morning, I want us to, to really consider what, what it means when we say that God loves you. Um, I want to look at the lyrics of a couple of songs. And being that it's Christmas Eve, I think you probably think I'm going to uh, look at a couple of like really deep theological love songs from uh, like Christmas carols or something like that. But instead, uh, our author is Kevin Cronin of our two songs this morning. Who knows who Kevin Cronin is? Josh, you only know because I told you this morning. Al, I was kind of banking on you to be the guy who knows. Um, you know who Kevin Cronin is, probably Dan? Ario Speedwagon, that's exactly right. Kevin Cronin is the lead singer and author of most of Ario Speedwagon songs. Um, he says this about love. Let's, they're on, this, on the screen. Let me just read them to you. And, and when you read them, you'll, you'll pick it up. You'll, you've heard this song before. Um, song called Keep on Loving You, uh, written in the early 80s or late 70s, I don't know. And I meant every word I said. When I said that I love you, I meant that I love you forever. Kelly, help me out. Um, and I'm going to keep on loving you. I, I'm going to, I really want to sing really bad. No, you don't want it. You don't want it. It's Christmas. That's my gift to you, to not sing. Um, and I'm going to keep on loving you because it's the only thing I want to do. I don't want to sleep. I just want to keep on loving you. And I meant every word I said. In the last line, I want you to really pay careful attention to that. When I said I loved you, it meant that I love you forever. Like this is, our, this is a, a cultural definition of love. You guys are like, you're rocking out, right? Like you're digging it. This is like, and it's a great song. Um, however, Kevin also wrote these words. Hit the next one. He wrote, same guy wrote this. You said we'd work it out. You said that we had no doubt. You had no doubt. That deep down we were really in love. But I'm tired of holding on to a feeling I know is gone. I do believe that I've had enough. Uh, Hit the next one. 
I've had enough of the falseness of a worn-out relation, enough of the jealousy and the intoleration. Oh, I make you laugh and you make me cry. I believe it's time for me to fly. Same dude wrote, I'm going to love you forever. When I said I love you, I meant that I love you forever. Same dude writes these words, hmm, not feeling it so much anymore. See you later. And this is our culture's definition of love. It's maybe even your definition of love. Maybe you've experienced, maybe you've said I love you to someone that today you'd write these words about them. Maybe it was a friend or maybe it was a, a family member. Or maybe, maybe someone has said these words about you. Maybe they said, I'm going to love you forever. And then they said, you know what? I'm not, the feeling I know is gone. The feeling is gone. And so I don't love you anymore because our love, the way that we love is emotive. Because emotive just means it is designed to invoke an emotional response. So when we say, I love you to people, maybe we mean it, maybe we think we mean it, but ultimately, probably what we mean is, I love the emotional response that you invoke within me. And when you stop invoking that emotional response, I'm probably not going to love you anymore. And that's what our culture is defined as love. And it's it sucks for us because when I say God loves you, when a culture who doesn't know and experience and, and has been taught and understood the biblical definition of love hears that God loves you, this is what they hear. As long as you do these things properly, I love you. As long as you continue to evoke a, an emotional response that I like, I love you. This is what, this is... Our culture's predominant culture's definition of love is this. And so we impose that definition of love upon God when he says that he loves us. But there's so much more deep about love. Um, so there, there's this word that... Um, so let, let me stop for just a second. There, there's two ways that emotive love can be perilous for us. Because first is that we can never, emotive love is perilous for us because we can never fully know someone. Think about the person that you know the very best. Probably it's your spouse. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a good friend. You know them really, really well. Emotive love is dangerous because there's going to come a time where you find something that you didn't know about that person that you now know that's going to make your emotive love jealous or angry or fearful that's going to cause feelings to come up in you that's going to make you want to not love them anymore, right? So emotive love is dangerous because we can never fully know someone. Emotive love is also dangerous because people can change. Um, here's something I, I, I has a, not a lot to do with love, but changed about my wife and I in our relationship. So we fell in love when I was not a pastor. And then I became a pastor. So I changed drastically. Like my life direction, my course direction changed drastically. And so that, like, if our love was purely emotive, it's now in peril. She could have, like, I didn't sign up to fall in love with a pastor. I fell in love with, with some other guy. And now you're changed or something different. So emotive love is in peril because we can never fully know people. And emotive love is in peril because people change. You, who you are now is not who you were five years ago. 
and who you were five years ago, maybe someone fell in love with that person. And now today, they're in love with somebody different. And you change, and they change, and emotive feelings change. And so emotive love is dangerous. But the beautiful part about God's love is that, one, he fully knows you. I want you to, when I said at the beginning, I want you to have this idea that God loves you ringing around in your head. This is the heart of it. God fully knows everything about you. And he loves you. He knows the anger, the frustration, the pain, the, the sin, the sin that you've committed, the sin that you're, you're about to commit, the sin that you'll commit in, in 20 years from now. God knows everything about you and still willfully chooses to love you. That's a big thought. It's a really big thought. And, and more than that, even when we change, God continues to love us. And the, and the beautiful part about that is God doesn't change and his love doesn't change. If his love doesn't change, it, what difference does your activity mean? Or, or Like it doesn't change love. It doesn't change God's love for you. Whatever is happening in your world, whatever you're doing, the sin that you struggle with, the pressure that you feel, God's love stays and remains. I found I was... Uh, doing some research on some Christmas uh, sermons th- this week, and, and I found a sermon Matt Chandler did, um, and he talked about this word called ahava, and I've, that sent me off to chase some more understanding of what this word ahava means. Ahava is a Hebrew word that is translated as love. It's translated most of the time in the Old Testament. When you see the word love, it's the Hebrew word ahava, but it's more than that. It, it shows up more in in just outside of Bible teaching Hebrew writings that we see, ahava. And so it loosely translated, it means just love. And it's, it's a staying, it's a constant, it's a remaining love. But at its most fundamental core, the, the deepest root of the word ahava is the Hebrew word to give. So at the root of love is this idea to give. So ahava is a Hebrew word, which, which means it's, it's the language spoken by Jewish people. And even today, 2017, December, um, Hebrew people, Jewish people, give ahava gifts to people. Today, likely, a Jewish person will give another Jewish person what they deem to be an ahava gift. It's a love gift. But it's, it's the, the depth of it means because they understand that the root, the foundation of, of love means to give. The Hebrew people believe the more I give to you, the deeper our connection of love is. Do you, and like, I found that to be experientially true. If, if I give, like I'm really, there's a gift that I'm, I'm going to give my wife tomorrow morning, that, a Christmas gift. She's going to open it. I'm really excited for her to get it. And I know that based on the conversations that we've had the last couple of weeks and the last couple of months and who she is, I know that that gift is going to deepen our connection of love. So, and, and I think, just kind of daydream a little bit about gifts that you've given or gifts that you've received from people that, that deeply love you. And understand this concept. The more you give, the deeper the connection of love is. Even, even today, there's... Uh, you can Google search it, like Google search 
uh, Ahava gifts. And there's a whole culture of Jewish people that give gifts for the sole purpose of, like, I'm going to give this to you because I want our, our connection of love to be deeper. So um, there's, there's two pieces to Ahava love. One is, is the, the giving part, and it deepens our connection, but, but also it stays, it remains. I've got one more song. It's a little bit more cultural for us. It's, it's more contemporary, not completely contemporary. Um, you guys have heard of a, a, a singer called Taylor Swift? Ever heard of her before? Um, hit, hit those lyrics. This is what Taylor wrote. This is kind of an older song of hers, but um, I'm pretty sure we almost broke up last night. I threw my phone across the room at you. I should have paused like she does in the song. I was expecting some dramatic turnaround, but you stayed. This is silly Taylor Swift pop culture love, but it's exactly the heart of Ahava. I did something crazy. I threw my phone at you, and I was expecting you because I'm in engaged in this cultural definition of emotive love, I was expecting you, when I lost my mind and went crazy and threw something at you, I was expecting emotive love to say, I don't like the feelings that this love is giving to me, so I'm leaving. But what, but what happened was he stayed. And this is like, it's, it's pop culture, and it's bubblegum, and it's throwaway pop music. But at the heart of it, it's, it's really defining what Ahava love is, the way that God loves you. Like, stop for a second and consider. As, as we celebrate Christmas time, as, and you, you, like you're going to go home today and you're going to finish making your preparations. Maybe some of you are going to drive to somebody else's house and have Christmas with your friends or with your family or, or something important or, or lots of stuff that's going to happen tonight or tomorrow. And as you consider that, I want you to see and, and have Ahava love just ringing in your head. That it, it's so completely independent of you. God's love is completely independent of you. It's all about him. Your love is emotive and in peril. God's love is Ahava. It stays and it deepens connections. Um, Man, I, I think um, sometimes I do this from time to time in a sermon. Let's stop and pray because I think this is an important thing for us to connect. God, thank you for your Ahava love. I pray now, Lord, that in these moments that we would, um, we would think about the ways where we have been loved with a hava love for you, from you, God. God, draw us into your presence. Help us to, to just rest in the love that you've given to us, Father. God, as we celebrate these days, I, I pray that, that you would allow this Ahava love to ring in our heads. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. So this idea that the way that God loves you is to deepen the connection with you by giving. Think about how that concept of how God loves you changes your understanding of John 3.16.
For God so loved us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Consider the Kevin Cronin definition of love. Consider our culture's definition of love. And then consider Ahava love that remains and stays and it's constant. It's willful. It's a decision that God has made to love you. According to who he is, he's made a decision to love you. And he deepens the connection by giving you the gift of his son. Um, as you open gifts and as you watch gifts get open, consider the giving nature of Ahava love. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Shows here is the Greek word that means to place within the reach, to allow someone to interact with. Um, do you guys have you guys have Christmas ornaments that can be broken? Does anybody have like a glass or, or a really important ornament? Um, you guys are, sh- are nodding your heads, and you've got a, a toddler in your house. So where do you put those, those ornaments? A little bit higher. Why do you do that? So she cannot get them. That, you go into any, any house with a dog or with a crazy dog like ours or with toddlers around, and every single ornament that's within arm's reach is like paper or cloth or like wooden or something like that and can't be broken. So the stuff is, is up higher because it's outside of their reach. You don't want the toddler to interact with the glass ornament. That is what Romans 5, 8, God shows. That word is sunasteo, which means to place within the reach, to, to put it in a place where it can be interacted with. It's like taking a, an, a glass ornament and putting it away is the opposite. But what, what's happening here in Romans 5, 8, God shows and proves and dim, God puts his love in a place where you can interact with it. Consider that. It's, that's incredible. God loves you with this Ahava love, and he did more than just love you with this Ahava love. He did something so that it could be within your reach so that you could interact with it. You have been given an incredible gift of love. But more than that, you've been given an incredible gift of love that you have the ability and opportunity to interact with. That's incredible. This is how God loves you. And it's fantastic. Um, There's more. God's love is great because we are the loved ones and we don't deserve to be loved. You guys know the Old Testament story uh, of Hosea? Hosea was a prophet in the Old Testament. And if you don't know, let me tell you just really quickly. God came to Hosea one day and said, I want you to marry a prostitute. And I want you to marry a prostitute because I want it to be a metaphor for my people. And so what happens is he, Hosea, marries Gomer, a prostitute. A, and more than just a prostitute, she's with everybody. And uh, so they're married. And soon after they're married, she goes and has adultery with someone else and has a baby. And Hosea forgives her. And then she does it again. And then she does it again. 
And all the while, Hosea is proclaiming this message of you are an adulterous people. And he's in the middle of an adulterous relationship where he continues to bring her back. Emotive love would have said, you do that once, you're gone. You do that twice, I don't want anything to do with you. But God's love, Ahava love, remains. And the heart of it, the action in it, is to give. This is what Hosea did. And, And so what happens is, the adulterous ones are the receivers of this unconditional Ahava love. As you engage with love this year, think about the metaphor of Hosea as you consider this Ahava love. Um, the second reason that God's love is great is that the cost that it took um, to love. So uh, I was <clears throat> in the middle of, uh, Jen went out with some girlfriends Friday night, and I'm home with, with the kids, and they're in bed, and, and I'm spending some time with my sermon. I get finished with that, and so I'm, I'm, I'm watching something on TV, uh, and I hear Mia crying in the back, and I jump up from where I am and, and run to her bedroom, and she's throwing up, and uh, like my immediate reaction is, let's get her controlled, and let's get her in the bathroom where she can clean up, and then I'm going to clean up in her bedroom. And I didn't, didn't, didn't even consider, I don't even remember now what I was watching on the sofa. I didn't even consider, you know what, she can, she can deal with it. She can, and, and she's 12 years old. She probably could have dealt with it. But I, I love her, and I want to get up, and I want to go and serve her. And so the love of anyone's love is greatened by the sacrifice that we make to offer it. You follow that? Like, I, it's not even a consideration for me to go and serve her when she needs help because I, I love her. The sacrifice of God, and we think about the sacrifices of Jesus when he came to this earth to be born in a manger to poor parents and live a, an impoverished life where he never really ever had a home and, and the difficulty and hardship of Jesus to be to have his best friends run from him, and all those things that are difficult, but there's a greater cost than that. Jesus didn't just come here to sacrifice. We don't, we don't reflect enough about what God, what Jesus did, what he left. In both John and Philippians, John and Paul write that God, that Christ has always existed. Before he showed up in the womb of Mary, Jesus was in heaven. Do we, like, consider that? There's more of a sacrifice than just coming to this earth and, and, and carrying our burdens and our sorrows and dying on the cross. There's more to Christ's incarnation than that. There's more sacrifice. And part of the sacrifice is he left heaven. He left heaven. Let me say that again. He left heaven to come and be here. Like... I braved marshals on Thursday night. I drove around the parking lot for like 10 minutes looking for a spot. I found a spot and I walked in the cold weather and walked in. There were lots of people. Like I had to like walk sideways down the aisles. The sacrifice that I made to buy my wife a gift. I bought her other things, not just from marshals, by the way. Um... But like we think about the sacrifices that we make and, and they add to the love. They, so 
at the root of Ahava is to give, and the sacrifices that you make to give add to your love. It's, it's true. The more sacrifice you make, the greater your love is. And we think about the sacrifice of Jesus, but I want us to consider this great gift of love that God has given to us. And the sacrifice that had to be made, not just on this earth that we talk about a lot, but consider that he left where he's sitting next to God, receiving praise, glory, and honor in perfection that, he was, that we were all intended to be in. Jesus is experiencing it, and he willingly leaves that for you. So, even greater, when I say to you, God loves you. God loves you. Um, I want to share one last verse with you. Um, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, because of his love, this is what he did, Verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, enemies, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God's love compels him to give to you. God's love compels him to give to you in spite, without regard for who you are. Wherever you find yourself, Wherever you find people that you have an emotive love to and want to push away and hold at arm's length, whatever, wherever you find yourself in the middle of that, God's love is not emotive. It's fully sacrificial. It gives to you. It's deep. It remains. It's constant. It's there always in spite of who you are. And because of that, Jesus. I want to leave you with this quote from Tim Keller, and we'll pray and sing together. What I've spoken today is basically the gospel, and Keller says, the Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus has to die for me. Yet I am so loved. All we've done today is talk about love. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Because of me, he has to. Because of him, he has to. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. When you fully understand, and I hope we're getting there, fully understand how much God loves you, it has to produce a great humility and a great confidence in you. Consider that. Like there's nothing of any significance or any value that's present in you that has caused God to love you. At the same time, there needs to be nothing of value or significance about you that causes God to love you. Humility and confidence come together in the gospel and how much he loves you. This idea, the last couple of sentences there from Keller, it undermines both swaggering and sniveling. I love that sentence. I cannot feel superior to anyone, yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I started with it this way. I'm going to end with it this way. God loves you. God loves you. 
Let's pray and consider that. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this time of year where we get a few days off and get to stop and consider your son Jesus and his birth. God, I pray as we go about our days, as we go about today and tomorrow, Lord, that you would give us moments, uh, opportunity for us to pause and reflect that you love us. God, I pray for people in this room who will engage people that are hard to love in the next couple of days. Lord, I pray that when we see people that are hard to love in our lives, that we would, your ahava love would just explode in us, Father. And Lord, I pray that we would give to those people to, to maybe deeper our connection of love, to maybe give us an opportunity to love them better, to maybe give us an opportunity to love as you loved. But Lord, mostly I pray for moments of, of intimacy with you the next couple of days, Father, as we consider how much you loved us by giving us your Son, that we should not perish but have eternal life with you, Father, and that your Son, while we were still sinners, came to this earth to ahava us. God, I pray, just allow our minds to, to rest in your thorough provision of love. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his precious name that I pray. Amen.